In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast partner in crime is the one and only... Excelsior! Travis Ratz here. <laughs> Alright guys, on the Comic Exposure Podcast, uh, we read comic books, trades, graphic novels, uh, and we do what's called uh, Comic Book Club. Uh, we get together, we bring a guest on, we talk about some comic books. Uh, you, are in, you are in luck today, though. You guys are listening to a very special, uh, amazing Comic-Con Las Vegas podcast. We are on our way home after a uh, weekend in Vegas with comic books and alcohol and all sorts of stuff. And uh, we've got a guest with us. Hello. Uh, our, our, our man, Dan, is on the podcast. Dan, say hi. Hi, everybody. Dan's oh. riding shotgun. Dan's riding shotgun. I'm in the backseat with the computer uh, doing the recording. Uh, Travis, I'm, I'm Han Soloing this motherfucker. Yeah, tra- Travis is wingman. I'm Chewbacca. <laughs> Chewbacca. Dan's Chewbacca. I'm whiny Luke Skywalker. Son of a bitch. So, uh, today, guys, we're really we're going to talk about uh, Amazing Comic Con, kind of a bullshit talking around episode. Uh, and then we had a little Comic Con contest that we're going to get into today. We're going to talk about uh, we each uh, we had a, a task at Comic Con, uh, and, and we'll get into that. But first things first, gentlemen, let's talk about the con. Let, let's let's do the expectation game. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Okay. I was like, when you think about a con in Vegas, uh, there are certain images that come to mind, because we've all been to Vegas before, but we've never done a Comic-Con in Vegas. So I had a certain image in my head of what a Vegas Comic-Con would look like. And my expectation was, I thought it was going to be a lot of on-the-floor drinking. I thought since it's Vegas, it was going to be a lot of slutty cosplay, more so than you would see in other uh, conventions. But... That was all tempered by the fact that I've been to amazing cons before, so I know what an amazing con is like. Yeah. And I was just wondering how Vegas was going to adapt that. I, I think I had the same idea going in. We've been to amazing con in Phoenix. Uh, it was in Mesa at the Mesa Convention Center a couple times. It is not a big con. This is not a San Diego Comic Con. It's not a Wizard World. It, it's not uh, Emerald Phoenix. City. It's not Phoenix Comic Con. It's a much smaller Comic-Con feel, but you're right, Travis. I went in, we're going to be in Vegas, and there's going to be boobs and beer, right? Like, that's what I imagined my Vegas Comic-Con experience to be like. Uh, Dan, what were you expecting when you came in? Much the same. I thought the cosplay would be a little over the top. Uh, I thought there would be definite booze, and I thought it'd be more, I thought it'd be on a larger scale. And I was surprised there's no panels. I, I, I was I was surprised by how comic booky it was, and I really enjoyed that though about it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. Like I came in with these expectations of being it being a very Vegas con because Blitz it's in Vegas. Yeah, but it, it definitely was not very Vegasy. You know what I mean? I, I, I would say it was a much more subdued than I expected. Um, I would have. Uh, I think I, I would have liked to drink on the floor. I think that would have been a, a, a pretty good experience. But it wasn't on the strip. We knew that going in. It, it's, uh, it was off the strip uh, at the Las Vegas Convention Center. We stayed at the Westgate, which is connected right to it, so we could get right across to it. Uh, so, you know, it was it was good. I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was different than I expected. Uh, but I enjoyed, like you said, Dan, how comic booky it was. Like, 
uh, just a ton of a ton of books, way more than I expected. There was cosplay, yeah, and there was like definitely merchandise and things like that, but it wasn't to the level that I would have expected. It was a lot more. It was a lot smaller in scale. Yeah, and I think that has something to do with the venue, the Las Vegas Con- Convention Center is not near anything and you would have like if Phoenix the one I go to a lot it's right in the heart of downtown and there's bars on every street corner and you could drink and people watch there was none of that yeah I wonder I wonder if like if it were on the strip if they could put it on the strip somewhere I'm sure it would cost them too much money but how many people you would have just come right like they just pay the 30 bucks to get in and check it out how much bigger it would be if it were like that you know what I mean you can tell the organizers of this event weren't prepared for the scale of people that showed up like there was crowds to get in there was crowds to re-enter like it was definitely bigger than I think they thought it was going to be yeah yeah I would say so I would say so like that first uh, the first day on Friday it started it didn't open till 3 and the line was huge uh, to get in at 3 now it's all inside I mean it's relative it's huge for the event space, I would say. It wasn't, I've seen bigger lines for Phoenix Con, but for the event space, it was a pretty big line. Uh, so, oh, yeah. we, we forgot to talk about one of the, my favorite parts about the actual location. Yeah. Is it's a huge convention center. Oh, yeah. So it's not just about having one convention, it's about having multiple conventions. Yeah. And ours was a, a very nerdy, younger crowd, um, some body odor, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of jovial line talking, like we had a guy. We were waiting in line to get in, and he was pulling out, like, three giant Ninja Turtle statues, and he was like, and now this one's called Leonardo, and he's like, look at the detail, and I'm like, cool, that looks really great, great, congratulations, he goes, now I'm going to show you Donatello. He had, like, $500 in Ninja Turtles. And so you have that, and then right across the entrance from the comic convention con is what, Josh? The International Beauty Show. So, like, IBS, the IBS, IBS Las Vegas. IBS. Uh, terrible branding, IBS Las Vegas. Terrible branding. I think you could just call it Beauty Show Las Vegas. Uh, yes. I think it would have been fine. Well, BS Las Vegas, also probably not the best branding. <laughs> Bullshit. Las Vegas BS. But uh, right across the way is this beauty show, and essentially it's vendors, like people selling products. And so it's all of these, uh, all these people in the beauty industry. So, like, they're coming to check out new product, like... (laughs) Almost had more makeup on than some of the cosplayers. Yeah, yeah. And so, it was this really weird thing. And so, we stayed at the hotel where all of these people are staying at. There was another thing, too. It was, like, the uh, a hair show was there, too. And a a martial arts tournament. Yeah, and a martial arts tournament. So, you got beautiful women, violent men, and then geeks. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and so it was just really weird mix of stuff. And we were talking about, uh, Travis, you had an idea. If if someone, if we had a film crew, we probably could have done it. We could have made it happen. But what was your idea? And what? that was to get some of the uh, the beauty professionals from the beauty salon. Let's grab some of them, throw them in on the con floor, have them grab some random, uh, I don't want to say nerds, but we're going to say nerds. Nerds! <laughs> have them grab some nerds, bring them back, and have a little contest. Make over that nerd. Make over that, that nerd. Um, I think it would have been great. Yeah, and I think that they, uh, we'll call it uh, cosmetics play. Oh. I like it. I like it. Cosmetics play contest. Grab that greasy ass. They're like, <laughs> I just think of them taking like an hour to just get all the grease off one of these kids' faces, you know? They're just Before like, they we've gone fly. through like three cotton pads. 
Just imagine the nice haircut you could have given to so many shaggy-haired, yeah. so many shaggy-haired goofballs. Uh, so you know, I, I was I was happy with uh, with the amount of comic books at it. Um, I was also Dan. It was weird. There were no panels. You're right. It was strange. There was like maybe one or two. Well, and we spent the weekend in Vegas, and everywhere we went, people were like, "There's a comic book convention here." Yeah, you know, yeah. I feel like they could have done better to get their home crowd into it. But like, I don't know if that's their shtick. I, yeah. I like, I don't know who they're marketing to. Do you market to Vegas people? Well, Amazing Con has always been kind of bad at marketing. Even when they come, even when they used to come to Phoenix, they do Phoenix, Las Vegas, and Hawaii. And I think they're like, this is our average number we get. We're happy with this. They, uh, apparently, they're making the the right amount of money that they want to make to continue to put these on yeah. every year. And they don't need to be shows. the biggest. Yeah, and I, th- I think that, I mean, like, in, like we talked about, in Phoenix, they were combating a bunch of shows, right? There's there's a video game one, there's a the Phoenix Comic Con, which has gotten huge, and so big that they've spun off Phoenix Fan Fest, right? So Phoenix Comic Con runs two events. Um, there's the anime one that's pretty yeah, big there. Yeah, anime one's pretty big, whatever, it's Caillou, I don't know, it's, it sounds like a, a, a Pokemon, but... <laughs> Like all of these, all of these different conventions, and so amazing doesn't fit in because it's it's not the spectacle that Phoenix needs, which is strange that it seemed to work pretty well in Vegas because it wasn't a spectacle, right? And we were talking about how it might be because it's a it's a really collector's town, yeah. And I have never seen the the comic book vendors be so busy at a con, any con that mm-hmm. I've been to, and sell so much. Oh yeah, so they were books. making loot. There was this uh, this one this one gal came up and so this kind of gives you like this guy was like uh, she's like I'm looking for something and he's like that's like a nine hundred dollar book and she's like I know oh yeah she's looking for the Mary Jane like a first yeah. appearance of Mary Jane's and shit and she's he's like that's like a nine hundred dollar book he's like she's like I know that's I'm looking for it and he's like oh I don't have it <laughs> like just dismissing that was her that guy from L A yeah just dismissing yeah. her but I think like those are the people. Here, like I saw dudes plunk down some big cash on stuff. You know, the graded I mean? stuff. The guy I heard say he made forty five thousand dollars on the first day. Yeah, I've never heard to another. I never heard someone talk so much about grading. Like at these, con- every time I was like, "What is this?" Well, you're not going to find us past a four point five, right? You and know, one those same guys were talking. It's like a nine six, nine seven. Yeah, yeah. Like, the colors are still working. It's the binding, but these colors are great. And you're like, <laughs> and, yeah, they're shit. talking about blending of colors. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. I was in one, and one guy looks like it looked like someone tried to do color restoration on this man. I, you should probably knock the price down on it. Like someone had gone in and tried to paint the cover up uh, on an older book, and he's like, "Oh, I, he's like, I don't know anything about it, man. I just like that was the we had like we found like the family one. That dude, the dude who was running like the family stand, yeah. like his kids were working with him. He too. His wife was there. Uh, he just loved comic books, man. Flash fire. Yeah, comics. yeah, yeah. Um, that was a, that was a pretty cool little one. Uh, but biggest thing for the Comic Exposure Boys uh, and Dan uh, on this trip was uh, we woke up early on a Saturday morning, quite hungover if not still drunk, to go stand in line to get our Stan Lee photo. Stan Lee! Stan Lee! Well, there's a backstory there because Travis had been trying to do it for at least two cons. And we it, at Phoenix, like, I want to say 2014... We saw him in the back, and we got there too late. And we got there too late on Friday by yeah, well, minutes. That, I remember it was about three years ago. I wasn't getting paid enough to like put down money to get a fucking Stan Lee photo. Yeah. But I'm like, guys, that's all I wanted this con. I'm just going to stand. And I've been talking about it for like a week. 
Yeah. And we were, I was like driving there. I'm like, I'll get it on Sunday. There's a photo op on Sunday. And I'm driving there. I'm like, we're going to get there earliest. We can get in line. So I get there before the con opens. And I go to the photo booth line. And I'm waiting in the line. I got my, I have like my money in my hand. Like it's all counted out. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, one for Stan Lee, please. And the lady looks at me like, uh, excuse me? Uh, one for Stan? <laughs> I thought it was Stan, please. And she goes, oh, we, honey, we've been sold out for weeks. And I turn around and like the litter Indian on the side of the highway, like one tear rolled down my cheek. <laughs> and then he's coming the following year, but he got sick and he canceled. And it's just been like, I've been chasing this old man around the country. <laughs> so we finally, we got a picture with Stan Lee. Guys, um, I don't want to speak ill of the almost dead, but Stan Lee was like a Muppet. It was like a Muppet sitting in that chair. Yeah, uh, he was frail. We thought maybe it was day weekend and Bernie'd him, uh, and then <laughs> and he was just he was like just propped he's, up. He's a, he, he, I mean, his legs looked like fake legs, like they they it were did. crossed, and those things weren't uncrossing all by themselves. No, no, some somebody a a, uh, a manager for Stanley was gonna have to uncross those things. But you know what? Excelsior, Excelsior, guys. And I feel like they put like shoulder pads on him to kind of make it look like he was more. <laughs> I mean, 94 years old, man. Oh, yeah, no. And so, they were snapping through photos. Oh, Dude, they, it was yeah. quick. Do you I, think we were in there 30 seconds? Maybe. Maybe 30 seconds. Yeah. Maybe. I didn't even look at Stanley's face. That's how I didn't look at Stanley's face either. I didn't, I didn't. Because they shuffle you in next to him or behind him. And so you don't even get to look Stan in the eye. Because you don't want to, like, that one photo you get, you don't want it to be like you, like the back of your head looking at Stan Lee. Yeah, so you don't even get to look Stan Lee in the but face. But that would have been a funnier photo if we were all, if Stan Lee's facing forward and we're just kind of looking down at Stan Lee. <laughs> <laughs> but so we, we've got a, a photo of Stan Lee. It looks slightly like an awkward family photo. It does. Like he's our rich dad. And like we're all coming back to see yeah. him one more time. I have to say two things. So my governor, Stan Lee, I like, you know, I just want to say I appreciate your work. You're a great storyteller. And he's like, thank you. I appreciate that. And then when we were leaving, we leaned in like, Stan, how do we do? And Stan goes, you boys did excellent. <laughs> and I was kind of like, Stan Lee said I did excellent. Stan Lee said I got, I got to take a photo. It was, uh, it was good. It was good to see that. So, and they tell you not to touch him. Yeah, like so don't you don't. Know, in a photo, normally you like lean in, and I was like, do I lean in? Do I not lean in? And in the end, I didn't. And that's what. It looks like an awkward family photo. It does. We are. We have like weird smiles with Stanley. Doesn't matter. It's going. It's been framed. It's being hung on my wall. <laughs> it's a good one though. It's good. I. You know what? If you're gonna get a picture with Stanley, I'm glad we got I, it. What amazes me is all those books that we bought this weekend. He remembers when they were new. So that 70s run that you have of the Marvel Origins. Yeah. He can remember when that was new. Can he remember? Can he remember? <laughs> if you prod him enough. And then, like, the thing that he's in those black and white photos in the 40s. Yeah. Slaving away at, like, a board and actually cutting and pasting comics and making a, a comics book. That That's where he, you can wait in line for that guy. Yeah. 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 So uh, we had... Uh, we, we we went in, we we did it uh, Friday, we got out of con, and we hit the town. It was good times. Yeah, we found some cool little uh, cool bar. Like speakeasy type bars. Yeah, which is strange. It was weird. It was this tucked away place in the, it was in Cosmopolitan. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was like in the back of Cosmopolitan. It was called, can you remember? Red Rabbit Lie. No, wasn't it? It wasn't Red Rabbit Rose Lie. Rose Rabbit Lie. Rose Rabbit Lie. Rose yeah, Rabbit yeah. Lie. Cool uh, so we found this pretty rad bar, got to hang out there, uh, managed to score some free beer, which is always good. Managed to score some free beer. Uh, it was good times. Uh, Saturday we went back in, we conned it up, we went back in twice. Uh, 
we all walked away with some stuff. Before we get into our contest, gentlemen, let's talk about what was your what's your favorite purchase from Con? What's what's the best thing you uh, got? I spent too much money at Con. <laughs> I would say that this is the most books I've like. This is the most um, like I've spent on books at a con. Yeah, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier about Amazing Con, I liked all the like. If for a Las Vegas Comic Con to feel like a small town Comic Con, it was like actually kind of cool for that. Like yeah. it was very manageable. Even though it was crowded, it wasn't too crowded, and it was very much like comic booky. Yeah. So you almost wanted to spend the money to keep them, like, to just support these guys selling books. Yeah. yeah. And the people weren't irritated because it was too crowded. It was just like they were like, people were, were people. Everyone. Was it was a like a time. smart like crowd of comic books. That guy from LA, I thought it was cool because some young girls came up were asking him about Archie, and he was like, "Oh, you want Archie?" And it was good to see like little kids going back to get Archie comics. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, was the Riverdale series that yeah. came out. <laughs> like uh, a reading crowd this weekend. Yeah, no, for sure. It was kind of cool to like dig through stuff. I would say my only, my only thing is I am usually deft at finding wonderfully cheap books. Like the stuff that I love is oftentimes the weird bottom of the barrel stuff. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of that here. Everything that I normally find for pretty dirt cheap when I'm just kind of, like, I stumble upon it, that was not going to happen at this con. Well, if you had looked at those the, that those giant rows of long boxes for, like, a dollar books, I maybe spent more time on that, I bet you would have found some gems. Probably. I, you know, I found some good stuff, but the stuff that I always love, the magazine stuff, Yeah. these guys had magazines priced high. Yeah. They, like, it was a little more than I, I normally would want to spend on stuff. Uh, but when in Vegas, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. right. So, so let's talk, gentlemen. What What's the best thing? Like, question I pose, what's your favorite thing you picked up? Not the one for our uh, competition, but what's the what's the best thing you picked up? I got a Bronze Age Superman with Batgirl on the cover. It's like Superman 260-something, I want to say, 290-something. And it, it oozes Super Friends Batman. It oozes the Bronze Age. And... It's just a team-up story of the two families, Batman family and Superman family. And I spent like $7 on it, and I'm excited to read that. In fact, I started reading it. It's a pretty good story. Is that, is, so, let, let's try, like, Bronze Age stuff, is that your, is that your shit right there? Yeah, my first Batman was a Super Friends Scooby-Doo Batman. <laughs> so I like that, uh, I like the gold, the yellow oval Batman in the gray navy outfit. Yeah, yeah. So all that era is what I like to go for. That and I like golden era, golden age, World War II covers. Yeah. But yes. Alright, so a super frenzy Superman Batman team up. Travis, best thing you got? Well, I picked up some uh, uh, filler issues for my preacher collection. But that's because kind of like picking the numbers out and seeing if it's a better price. Like, I'll take that. Yeah. But I did not expect to run across so, so we have like they have animation cells, right? Yeah. Like, and I've heard that people have collected these, right? Like, like an actual cell or some production work from a cartoon, right? Yeah. That would normally get like thrown away. A lot of these things got uh, destroyed, um, and then some of them made it out. And so I've heard people of coll- collecting these, and I always thought it was cool. I really love art that once served a purpose. Yeah. And like a really functional workman art that people just throw away. For me, art is all about the process anyways. I enjoy it always more than the final product, whether it's like acting or writing or anything like that. And so to have 
uh, art from like and uh, and add to it that we found this booth that had all these cells and original production art from all these cartoons from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Yeah. You add the nostalgia to that kind of artistic yeah. uh, flavor, and I was just like, holy shit. And then we looked at the price of these things, and I thought like, you know, like cells and, and original production oh. work would go for hundreds to hundreds of dollars. Yeah. And they're selling these things for like 15 to like $40 a pop. Yeah. Right? So Josh and I, and this might, I might be stepping on your toes to your favorite one as well, <laughs> but Josh and I, as we know, we are big fans of the X-Men 90s cartoon. Yeah. And we found uh, a section that had all his production work. So uh, I picked up a, uh, uh, a Rogue. Yeah. Right? Uh, and then for my friend, I picked up a, uh, a cell of Wolverine. Like during the Phoenix Saga, it must be, because he's got his like Phoenix Saga space suit on. Yeah, yeah. Like an original cell. And they had like the certificates of authenticity yeah. and stuff like that so it's like owning a part of your childhood it's only a great piece of art and it's owning something that is you know part of you know pop culture yeah history well we were looking through it and once we found the x-men stash like we were like two like two little kids man like going through it we're like oh my gosh oh my gosh yeah. please be a morph yeah, all yeah, i yeah. wanted all I, if there would have been a morph that would have been that would have been it. I would have been that would have been fucking perfect. Well, we pulled those things out. I have laid out like vinyls. Yeah, like, people were trying to get around. It's like ah, ah, no. <laughs> like I'm looking at my X Men. Back the fuck off, buddy. Yeah, yeah. So like oh. we we made some piles. We're like, all right, these are the definitely these are the ones we really really kind of like. And then so we kind of drew from there. Uh, I got a good Wolverine one. Um, there was a sweet Mojo one. Yes. Yeah, but I decided. It. I just, I probably should have gotten both. Now that I'm not there and I'm a step away from it, $15 for this rad mojo would have been good. But I was talking to the guy who ran that booth. I'll get to my favorite thing in a second. I was talking to the, but to continue that idea, I was talking to the guy who ran that, not ran that booth, but was working on it. I'm like, how do you guys find this stuff? Where do you guys get it from? He's like, oh, we're actually the largest, uh, we're like one of the two largest purveyors like, of it. Like purveyors of this. And he's like, a lot of this stuff, uh, we like buy it when studios go out. Or if we dumpster dive for it. Yeah, yeah. You can see that. Like, they throw the stuff out. He's like, we found one box, and it smelled like there was vinegar all over it. Like, it was just in the... It was, like, in a dumpster. And he's like, so we had to let it air out for a couple weeks before... Because the box that they were all in was, like, covered in vinegar. And he's like, so it smelled, and so we had to let it air out for a while before we could bring him to anything or try to sell him. Because they just stunk like vinegar. Well, that's what I love about that stuff, too. Like, even film. Like, film up until the National Film Registry in 1989, yeah. that was disposed of. That's why we've lost... They said they lost... Before 1950, we have lost over 75% of the films that were actually made. Yeah. Because they just... The studios thought... It's like, oh, that's in the product. Yeah, we yeah, toss it out. Yeah. So all these prints were ruined. And I feel it's the same for these cartoons. Cartoons aren't made this way anymore. Yeah, no. Cartoons no, are all digital. Right. So not only do you have, like, not only are they throwing away like art, someone sat down and drew as talented artist, uh, but they're also throwing away like a piece of history. Oh yeah, they're not going to make cartoons like that anymore. No. It's not cost effective. No, and, and, and I, you know that's why I dug that. I was like, oh, this is a great Wolverine because it's literally someone's process drawing. So it's you know it's like blue and red pencil, right? Like it's not the finished product. Uh, but it was dope as shit, so I had to get it. I got Skeletor, too, that I really liked. Oh, yeah, you did get a Skeletor. It was awesome. That X-Men you got for your friend, uh, that Wolverine, the colors on it are just beautiful. 20 yeah. years later, they're still just beautiful colors. Because some of the cells they had with the background, the still paint, the hand-painted backgrounds yeah. on it. Yeah. yeah, those are pretty rad. And you, that's where you see cartoons and comics, like, blending. 
is you see the proofs that they drew with the blue line, the blue pencil yeah, before yeah. the inks did apply. And you're like, any of these guys could have been like number one artists on books. Right, and the framing outlines of where the camera's going to shoot and what's going to yeah. not make I the I love cut. the numbers, like the codes on uh-huh. it, you don't know what yeah, they mean. Yeah, for like colors and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it was, it was really cool. I think, I think uh, my favorite thing that I got uh, is it, Travis, it's between two things. Travis, it was definitely Wolverine, but because you, you said it, I'm going I'm to do it wrong. I think uh, I found two things that I really dug. Travis, as we're looking through this bin, and I always look at magazine stuff. I love the old magazine, uh, the Marvel magazines, and I love sort of the graphic novel size stuff for Marvel. Um, I got a uh, God Live, or uh, shoot, why can't I remember the name of it right now? The Howard? No, it was uh, God Loves, Man Kills. X Men. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. yeah. God loves man kills. Uh, Marvel graphic novel, uh, and it is a really good grade. And I don't normally care about that, but for some reason at this con I did <laughs> because everyone's talking about everyone's it. talking about it. Like, yeah. oh, you're right. That is it is a really pretty one. I'll spend twenty six bucks on it. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah. Uh, I normally I usually I well, I die for those things. I find them and I usually find them for like six bucks, five bucks. Uh, this one was this one was twenty six, but it looks super clean and super pretty. So that was a good. sick. Yeah, that was a really sweet yeah. one. Uh, so I think that's that's my best thing I found. And then Travis found a uh, a uh, um, Howard the Duck magazine that has a batshit great uh, cover on it with uh, man things. So, oh, great pencils on the inside. Oh yeah, talking awesome pencils yeah. on the inside. So I, I think that was those are those are like the the top things that I found. So. What we decided to do, guys, uh, for a little competition, and we're, we're going to talk about our competition. Uh, we're going to we're going to talk about our books. And so, what we did is we said we had five bucks. Everybody had five bucks to find their Comic Con gem, an under five dollar gem, something we whatever our decision was. And so we're going to explain why we chose it and why we think it was our five dollar gem. Uh, so Dan the man. Oh, I'm going to go first, huh? Dan the man, I'm going to have you go first. Okay. Well, I. You're a hard person to compete with, and you were showing me things that I didn't even know existed, like those Marvel magazines. I had seen those in, in the past, but I didn't realize the lineage. How kitschy and stuff. Yeah, like and yeah. like the precursor to the graphic novel as I saw it. Um, so you're a hard person to compete with. I, had, I too, had trouble diving through books. Like, the, the ones where I saw, like, lots of oddball stuff... I felt like they weren't marked very well, no, so you could I, get like a decent new Fifty Two Batman next to like a nineteen eighty nine Legion eighty nine comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Oh, and then yeah. like, and so there was no organization, so that made it difficult at first. And then as I was looking, I ran across something I had like remembered a lot from the eighties and nineties in the in the comic shops, and I wanted to, I've been wanting to buy them anyway. And that is the old 1940s through 60s classic illustrated, okay. where they would take like a famous work of literature and then make it a comic book form. And so, like, you find these all you used to find these the yellow font classics illustrated featuring stories by world's greatest authors. You'd find them all over. And any in the, in the 80s and 90s, they were like trying to give them away, like dollars. And there was always a dusty box, not bag or board. Well. People not liking them, not giving them any like respect or anything like that. Over the years, I, I find that you can't find them in mom and pop shops anymore. Yeah, and you can go on eBay, but there you're going to pay a little bit more. So here today, that day on Friday, while I'm looking, I found the whole bin, 
And I had been looking as a teacher because I wanted to teach uh, Hamlet. They have a comic book of Hamlet. Yeah. And then they have a comic book of... Uh, this series has a comic book of Moby Dick and all of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. And I always thought that would have been great to supplement yeah. my teaching with that. And I could never find it. So as I'm going through, I found a whole bin of them for $5, but they were 50% off. Yeah. So I got this for two fifty, and it's uh, Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment. So they've taken like a like what a five hundred page book, yeah, condensed it down to like a fifty page comic book. So every oh, so it's not like issue eighty nine of Crime and Punishment. No, it's, no, it's, this is all of Crime and Punishment, right? Okay, in this got comic. It. And the next issue probably was like Ivanhoe or something like that. That's pretty uh, dope. Yeah, the cover on that thing is that is the cleanest cover. It's so cool, yeah. That and it's nineteen still popping. I want to say it's like 1958, 1952. Uh, it is a gorgeous cover. The red background's great. It's got like a uh, uh, Lady Justice on the front of it. Like Justice is blind. It is a gorgeous cover, man. And it's got a great like uh, it's 1950. Smell it. It's got, a good, it's got a good old smell. It definitely does. It, no. It seems like this is 1947. No, copyright 1951. And, oh, no, you can smell the pulp. And it's got a great uh, one-page biography of Fyodor Dostoevsky. And it's just a little illustrated novelization of... I don't know the words enough to Dostoevsky. Is it almost like, is it almost like word for word exactly from dialogue? Or is it just adapted? I bet it's been adapted. Yeah. Because, you know, kids are buying these off newsstands. I I always see these like a mix between... uh, Reader's Digest. Reader's Digest mixed with some cliff notes. Yeah. In the 1950s. And you could get this and maybe cheat on your homework kind of thing. Um, and I just liked it. And I, you know what? I, I bought it to cheat myself. Like, I've always wanted to read the novel Crime and Punishment. And so when I saw some that were Shakespeare, I got one Shakespeare back there. And I don't remember what it was. Uh, but then I got this one. And I'm going to read it. Because I've always wanted to read I do like Dostoevsky, The Brothers Karamazov. And, um... Crime and Punishment was our 10th grade book, and I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I remember it. Yeah. It's tough to get through. Right, right. So oh, translated. You know? Yeah. That was mine. All right, so I like it. Uh, that's a good choice. It's a good choice. My choice, my pick, my Comic-Con gem. You guys know that I love to uh, I love to, I love to, to dig. I love weird graphic novel-y stuff. That's, that's, my, that's my sweet stuff. I like the ones in the 80s, uh, and in the 80s, they made them big French style. All those were too expensive at this con to get for under five bucks. But in the 90s, Marvel started making little, uh, it, it ends up being maybe two comic books worth of comic, and they'd uh, kind of hard, they'd card stock bind them. And so what I got is Punisher G-Force, Punisher G-Force, uh, from uh, 1992, and uh, the cover is Punisher on a rocket that's about to take off, uh, fighting dudes in spacesuits. And so, uh, this is a tale of that's Punisher. Fun. That's awesome. That is, that is awesome. <laughs> Punisher going into outer space, uh, and it's essentially it's an action movie because every Punisher is an action movie. But this action movie ends literally with Punisher sneaking on a mission to outer space following drug-dealing astronauts to a space station. To punish them. To punish them. And he's fighting dudes in a space station in outer space 
uh, and uses a flame. Oh, that's a sick. That's a sick panel right there. He's got the. He's got the. He's got the red bandana, but he's loading up the uh, astronaut suit. Uh, yeah, he's got the Rambo bandana as he laces up. And like, I'm not a giant Punisher fan because I think like it, it's over the top, ridiculous violence at points. But the premise of that you follow drug dealers to outer space. Uh, was too much to pass up. Look at this sequence where they're doing the G-force testing. Yeah. And Punisher's going through that. Oh, if you turn the page, there's a fight scene where it flies off. The the G-force uh, simulator flies off the thing. <laughs> That's Punisher's in it. Uh, it is it is uh, this wonderful '80s action movie uh, vibe to it. The beginning starts with like a uh, uh, some chick at some party. So Punisher is, like, beating up this dude who's fighting prostitutes, and he goes to, like, cut, slit his throat, like, sneak up on him and slit his throat, and he can't because, like, the pimp has too many chains on his neck, <laughs> so he can't cut through oh, it. Oh, it's, like it's like his body armor. Yeah. And uh, while he's fighting him, uh, a lady is thrown off a building and hits the top of their car and breaks the neck of the pimp, and he's like... This saved my life. It was a one in a million chance. It'll never happen again. <laughs> and he's like, she was high. Her eyeballs were like pinpricks or something. Like that. Oh, so this is like this is like dirty Punisher too. Oh yeah, this yeah. is like fighting drug dealers Punisher. Uh, it was. It, it's. I didn't get it. I just flipped through it. I didn't get to read it. Read it. Uh, but for the cover and the fact that he goes into outer space, this was my pick for uh, two bucks. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, two bucks. All right, Travis, what's yours? Uh, so this one, I had seen the first day, but it was like 10 bucks, And I was like, oh, well, I can't do it. I, I just pulled it up, and it was in a bag and board. And you know, I don't like to... I don't want to open the... I don't know what the, the, the etiquette is, so I don't right, like right. to open the yeah. comic and pull it out. If I really wanted to... If it was an expensive book, I would, like, open it up and, like, ask him permission. But, like, for this one, I saw the cover of this... And I'm like, this is weird. It looks the the big, top of it reminded me of Clockwork Orange, like the text. I just want you to know, yes. like this cover. I think I, I might have a boner right now just for this cover. Oh, wait, you see the art because inside. I love. I just love the cover already. I feel like you just found this just so you could like rub it in my face. It's like a found mix it. of a Mad Magazine and mixed with like National Lampoons. And it's oh um, shit. Take a look at the art inside. Oh my god, I That's love that. That's not my favorite part. Uh, um, and so it's called Someplace Strange. Uh, I gotta look at you have to look at the date on what that was written. It's very eighties. It's yeah, gotta well, be eighty eight. Eighty eight. And it's right in there. I mean this is like you wanna talk about like Stranger Things is genre. So I didn't know what it was about, so I bought it based on the cover, because the second day oh, I came fuck. back and I was looking through it again, and it was fifty percent off the magazines, so I was like, boom, five bucks. So I got it, and I didn't have any idea what the artwork on the inside was like. I didn't know what the story was about. So I flip it open, and I read through half of it. The story ain't great. It's about this, these kids who kind of go into this imaginary world. Uh, and it's, it's almost like they step into a Fellini, not Fellini, um, Dali, like a Salvador Dali-type world that's all painted up and everything like that. But here is what I love about it that I did not know until I opened it up. And when we were taking our little breather yesterday, I started reading through it. Josh Mitt, might I see the book for a second, please? Yeah, I'm sorry. No problem. Oh, man. I go to the inside, so I start reading it from the very beginning. And uh, the author, oh, I don't want to write this line on this, I like this book, uh, has this poem. I'm going to do this while I'm going to get in slow lane. This is, this is classic driving. Uh, and this, and the, Nick Soenti wrote this book. I don't even know who she is. It might be the only thing she's written. But in the middle of it, at the beginning of it, she has this poem. It's very beat. It's a very beat style poem, which is my favorite style of poetry. 
So this is how it goes. He goes, yeah, you, climb out your window, out on this limb. What's that sound? Is it your own heart? What's wrong? Scared? Dizzy? Good. You sleepyhead? You lumpin' slug? Dead weight? Clang, clinging vine? Shake off those body rags and start sparkling. Get scared. Get dizzy. Get up. Get wild. Time to razzmatazz and soft shoe shuffle. Come to where life is as light as a star's wink, as heavy as a belly of a black hole, swirling in clouds of shuddering particle chaos, the eternal junkyard of the gods, watching stars struggle to resist each other's pull. Give in, take up orbit, and collide. Subatomics smash, shatter, and scream. Gases mix and breathe each other a private molten birth, the birth of a new star. And this is where it changes. But if you stay at home, if you don't go, you'll only see the rosy aftermath and the twinkle of the faraway star that may no longer exist, that has long since collapsed a million years late. The power that creates a star, gravity, can also crush you in your chair. So get up, come touch the tips of Alice's fingers, come, let's go someplace strange. Dude, only in this weird 80s books that Marvel put out, they let these, like, this is the shit I love. I fucking love this. It's a, it's this little, it's not even part of the story. No. It's just this little forward poem that she, like, threw in, because she probably had it in her journal, you know, she's like, I'm gonna throw this in there. And, like, it hits home with what I, like, this year especially. Yeah. And I was like, this is meant to be. This book is meant to be in my hands. That book, uh, they let these, they let these, uh, artists and these writers they wouldn't let them do this in a in a monthly floppy, but they let them do some weird shit in these uh, in these graphic novels they put out in the '80s. This thing is fucking gorgeous, Travis. What's well, before cool. the boom? Look so like, people weren't paying attention to anything. That is Salvador Dali. That's like a blatant. That's cool. And it's like this is the stuff. Like before, co- people had eyes on comics. You could just put this. These things don't exist, and there's these beautiful words and images in these junky long boxes at these conventions and like nowhere, you know, Vegas. And you can pick up something in it that's just like, ooh, that hit home. Travis, you're the fucking winner. I get, I done one. You fucking won. <laughs> yeah. I thought there was no way I'm competing against the fucking Josh. Yeah, I know. That, you fucking I, won, I man. Hate that Josh. Oh shit. <laughs> this. Dude, thing... I did spend a lot of time looking before I came back to that thing. I was like spending the day I'm like looking for something weird but it was hard it was hard at that con they were they were priced a little high I found some rad stuff it was all priced over uh, the one place I found they were all 25% off the uh, off the magazines oh I saw that place too yeah and there was but they were still like 16, 18 bucks yeah yeah so I couldn't find one that was under under 5 I found one under I, the Howard the Duck one was under 5 yeah this, this thing is gorgeous man uh, this is an epic. It's an epic graphic novel, not not one of the Marvel ones, but Epic did some weird stuff too. This is you won, man. You won. Yeah, I love it. It's a real. It's a real it's weird, great. strange. Look a weird, strange trip it's been. All right, so guys, I think we're gonna turn into a pumpkin. Uh, plus, we have the air off, and it is getting fucking hot in this thing. Yeah. So here's what I want to say. Uh, this was a wonderful trip. Vegas, baby. Comic books. Too much booze. Ash, Evil Dead musical. Ash, yeah, the Evil Dead the musical. We saw some crazy shit. Uh, I'm glad I got to do it with you, bros. <laughs> Travis is back in town from uh, Japan for uh, for the summer. 
Uh, so we get to do some normal, some normal comic exposure. Uh, so we've got still comic book summer coming up, guys. Uh, so we're, we've got All-Star Batman as the next book we're talking about. Dan is going to be a, a back-to-back guest and uh, do All-Star Batman with us. Uh, then remember, you can find all our old episodes on the website, www.comicexposure.com. If you follow us on iTunes... Uh, give us a nice five stars. That'd be wonderful. Uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, at Comic Exposure, Facebook.com slash Comic Exposure. If you are a Facebook person, uh, sorry for the road noise and the rattling of shit, but this is a car ride. And then when you have a, lar- when you have a long ride home from Vegas, you podcast. You podcast. Dan Lee. Dan, thanks for being on the show. Oh, it was a pleasure. It was fun. So many times you hear about Vegas, and I feel like it's overdone. We had a good Vegas trip. It was a good, good Vegas trip. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next trade.